0: And salutations, friends. Yes, that sound can mean only one thing. It's time for the Arcade to return with its annual Halloween music special. How's it going, ladies and ghouls, uh, uh, and everyone else out there? I am Mike the Legend, welcoming you back to a very special episode of the Arcade. I'm so glad that you can join us for one of our annual special editions of the Arcade as we take some time uh well not take some time, but we will be doing our annual Halloween music special here for this week's edition of the program. And if you're not familiar with what the Halloween music special is that we do every year, you're about to find out because we've been doing it for a very long time. Yes, and you say we and you are right to say we as you are not the only person here. Whew <laughs> dodge that bullet.
1: I mean you could make the the joke of like, oh, we're here, me and all of the ghouls, Woo. but no, it's I'm an actual physical corporeal other person here. This week and I, have,
0: I have some respect for our listeners not to make that stupid joke.
1: Yes, thank you. <laughs> this week I'm Dennis, the man who thinks that this year's worst Halloween costume is a
0: sexy anti-masker.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> not just that they're an anti-masker, they're a sexy anti-masker. Yes, which. I don't know what that extra layer of sexy is that's added to it to, uh...
1: Well, you know, it's like the joke about how every costume is, you know, they always have to have a sexy version of whatever, like, ooh, this is this sexy whatever, ooh, it's sexy, sexy Frankenstein, it's just like lingerie
0: with green face paint. It? It's just way less fabric sold for way higher prices. Yeah. Of course, there's a sexy version of everything, sexy cop, sexy whatever, and... Uh, Even the stupidest things have sexy versions. I believe I've seen sexy Teletubbies in the past. I've seen sexy salt and pepper shakers. Like, give me a break. (laughs) Come on. That's a physical object that cannot be sexified. No, I won't. (laughs) Well, at least I didn't think it could. At least least you didn't
1: think it could. At least I didn't think it could. But hey, don't yuck someone's yum, my friend.
0: There are people of, uh, elevated creative minds, uh, over and above ours who are getting paid to come up with these very stupid things. And yes,
1: so, you know, Spirit of Halloween is really keeping those people employed year round just for this,
0: for this very reason. They've got a room full of a thousand monkeys chained to a thousand typewriters coming up with these great ideas every year.
1: Yes. <laughs> but yes, of course, the worst, ho- the worst costume of course is Sexy Anti-Masker.
0: Which, uh, I can imagine It'd be bad enough if they were just an anti-masker this year for this year's costume, but sexy. Well, I mean, that's just all the more confusing and don't know how to feel about things anymore because, of course, as you may be aware, this is the year 2020, the year of our Dark Lords. That has been blessed and graced with uh, a little bit of sprinkling here and there of something called the COVIDs that uh, you might be aware of. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's the uh, hip new viral sensation sweeping the nation. Yeah, sweeping multiple nations. (laughs) Sweeping... Global
1: sensation. is the global sensation. <laughs> soon to be um, interplanetary?
0: I don't know. Fingers crossed. I mean... Can we spread? Can, can we go that far? Can we go that far? Can it go with us? <laughs> can it live in space? <laughs> yes. To be determined. But, yes, exactly. Uh, we understand this year is a little bit different than previous years, and uh, perhaps your Halloween plans that you would normally be having, a big Halloween party, perhaps uh, some plans to go trick-or-treating or prepare for trick-or-treaters, whatever the case might be, maybe not be happening quite in the way that they would in prior, quote-unquote, normal years, but we are still here. To bring you a normal Halloween music special, where we have dug through, searched through, to try and find some Halloween appropriate music that you won't be hearing anywhere else. Absolutely, and this year, well, it's it's a fun one as always. Absolutely, and uh, if you if you think of Halloween music, you probably are conjuring some immediate songs to mind. You're in your your mind's ear are hearing Thriller. You're hearing the Ghostbusters theme. Thinking the Monster Mash. You're thinking, you know. You might put on the, you know,
1: the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack Mm -hmm. or something, things of that nature. Like nothing wrong with that. I mean, I like me some classic Halloween music. Unlike Christmas music, it doesn't really get on my nerves to the same degree. I'm, I'm fine with it, but you know, there's more stuff out there than what you probably just like are looking at on the surface.
0: so Absolutely. You have to dig a bit deeper, and that's what we do every year, and we've been doing for so many years now on this program because uh, uh, we think there's just more out there that deserves attention. And we've got uh, a good selection of groupings this year that we're going to uh, play songs from on this year's program, and we hope you will enjoy all of them. But uh, we're going to start with our opening group here, and our opening group kind of titled and themed around the idea of Halloween in the Old West, which, if you listen to some of our very early Halloween shows, you may have heard us doing attempting to do characters back then. Yeah, we were we were younger. We were younger. We we
1: you know thought we could do maybe other things that we maybe couldn't. But you know, one of our characters, the one I played, <laughs> we we had an incongruent kind of matchup of characters. I played a dumb character. Well, you played a dumb character called the The Count, which is just basically generic Dracula, blah, whatever.
0: Yeah, generic Dracula, Eastern European accented voice.
1: Yeah, and then I did The Gunslinger for some reason, where I guess I was an undead cowboy. Still not entirely sure how that character came to life. No, no idea. Maybe it was just us riffing on that dumb old Simpsons thing of the, you know, where all the dead you know, cowboys were raised from the dead, and that I thought would be funny. Going back
0: to the wrong grave.
1: Excuse me, are you John Smith? 1882, my mistake. (laughs) He's like, you know, obviously just kind of riffing on that and having fun, and then just coming, it would be funny if you were, like, the Count and I was the gunslinger, whatever. But then we we didn't really think much more of it, because it's like, well, you just think, well, the Old West and Halloween, it doesn't really make much sense together. Like, who else could possibly think of that? But apparently lots of other people have possibly thought of that.
0: <laughs> we we are not alone and there are some talented musical uh, artists out there who have thought of that and we have found uh, a a nice smattering of of diverse artists to really fill out, fill out and flesh out this uh, opening group of Halloween in the Old West. We jump from old, we jump from new, we jump from uh, very catchy novelty ones, we jump uh, to a bit serious, uh, but we're going to start this group off actually with a song that's video game related, which rarely happens on these music programs here on the arcade, even though we are quote unquote, your video game podcast as we like to bill ourselves. But uh, the track we're going to pull from opening uh, up this group and opening this year's program is actually uh, one of the songs from the soundtrack for red dead redemption undead nightmare, the zombie expansion to red dead redemption, the very first uh, red dead redemption game. This one is uh, by a band called the creeps, and it's their song, Bad Voodoo. So we're going to jump from that and go a bit older and actually have a visit from some British nobility. Christopher Lee makes an appearance in this group.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the late Sir Christopher Lee is doing, you know, from his um, his album, Christopher Lee Sings Devils, Rogues, and Other Villains from Broadway to Beirut and Beyond with his rendition of uh Burl Ives' 1950s classic Ghost Riders in the Sky, which has been covered by a million people. But, you know, hearing Christopher Lee bring his, you know, the deep gravitas that his voice contains to this song, you know, adds a whole other level that I don't think I knew the song could have.
0: It, it certainly does. and adds a level of just incongruency to it, how, how there's this, I guess, Western theme to it, but... Christopher Lee puts his distinct, noble British voice to it that makes you see it in a different light. And then we go from that to a classic country murder song. (laughs) Which, yes, that's a thing. Oh, yes. Yes, if you think of uh, country music and you just think it's uh, stereotypically, and for good reason stereotypically, people singing about, and most often guys singing about, uh, their wife left them, took their dog, took their truck, blah, 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 all these hardships. There's a lot of songs in old country western music about murder. Yeah, murder, a lot of them. Murder, revenge, you know, killing all the people who wronged
1: you, you know, gonna haunt people after you're dead and hanged, those mm-hmm. kind of things. But, uh, yeah, you know, one one of the, it's a name that I don't really think many of us are very familiar with. I hadn't heard of this song until you brought it up and you know, heard it and was like, holy crap, this is a dark song.
0: It's, uh, by Eddie Noack. From 1968. So you know it's old timey. It's, it's titled Psycho. And listen to the lyrics, I encourage you encourage you to listen to the lyrics because it literally is a murder song, yeah, and you know he
1: mentions being a psycho, and everything you described in the song, yes, would definitely point to that.
0: Yes, I listened to the song the first time, and my thought was, "Oh my, I like this, <laughs> don't know what that says about me. Judge it after you've heard the song, and then we go from there to Uh, some more actual country Western, although is it country Western? It's just like Buck Owens, who's traditionally considered a country artist. Yeah. But you know, if you listen to the
1: song, it sounds like a, like a classic, like early seventies rock song just with, you know, a little bit of a twangier singer. Like it's one of these things where I think everything was called country Western back then, even if like in hindsight, it probably wasn't like. Anyways, I could go on a whole rant about this, but uh, I won't, but uh, yeah, Buck, Buck Owens traditionally considered a country western artist with his uh, he had an album that he released back in nineteen seventy four called "It's a Monster's Holiday," and this is the title track. we're bringing you the title
0: track from that album. We will indeed, that's more a bit more of a novelty song, but as I said, we're going to start this group off here with The Creeps and Bad Voodoo here on the Arcade's Halloween music special.
2: As hungry as can be Oh, Lordy, how I wish Mama You could keep the baby quiet Cause my head's killing me I seen my ex last night Mama At a dance at Miller's store She was with that Jackie White Mama, I killed them both And they're buried under Jenkins Sycamore Don't you think I'm psycho, Mama? You can pour me a cup If you think I'm psycho, Mama Better let them lock me up Don't hand the dog to me, Mama I might squeeze him too tight And I'm as nervous as can be, Mama But let me tell you about last night I woke up in Johnny's room, Mama Standing right by his bed With my hands near his throat Mama Wishing both of us was dead You think I'm psycho, don't you, Mama? I just killed Johnny's cook. You think I'm psycho, don't you, Mama? You better let him lock me up you know the little girl next door mama i think her name is betty clark oh don't tell me that she's dead mama why i just seen her in the park she was sitting on a bench mama thinking up a game to play seems I was holding a wrench, mama Then my mind walked away You think I'm psycho, don't you, mama? Didn't mean to break your cup You think I'm psycho, don't you, mama? Mama, mama, why don't you get up? Say something to me, mama
3: And the wolf man came up next. Dracula was a doing his stuff, I breathing down my neck. Jump back, make tracks, here comes the hunchback, better get out of his way. Fifty five five, full of vomit was a monster's holiday. Well, I hopped into bed covered up my head, said, I'm gonna get a good night's sleep. I got woke up about 12 o'clock, and I jumped right to my feet. There was gremlins and goblins, dragons and zombies. Lordy, what an awful sight. I said, good buddy, you may get me, but brother, let me tell you that it's gonna be after the fight. Frankenstein was the first in line, and the wolfman came up next. Are doing his stuff, I breathing down my neck. Jump back, make tax. Here comes the hunchback. Better get out of his way. Fee, fee, fight, five, full five, oh, It was a monster's holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Bill, well, he took ill and they sent for me to come. I had to pass by the old graveyard So I went on the run There was screaming and moaning, wailing and groaning Scary as a mummy's curse I said, good buddy, you may get me But brother, let me tell you that you're gonna have to catch me first Frankenstein was the first in line And the wolfman came up next Dracula was a-doing his stuff I in down my neck. Jump back, make tracks. Here comes a hunchback. Better get out of his way. Baby, five, five, full fool, was a monster's holiday. Baby, five, five, full fool, was a monster's
0: Owen singing, it's a Monsters Holiday right there. That's a toe tapping, very novelty inspired song that he released on an album of the same name. It's Monsters Holiday from 1974, Uh country western twang, but very much a pop song to it. Yeah, it almost sounds like it could be
1: like a pop rock song to me. It has a very Creedence Clearwater revival kind of sound to it. A little bit, not not as hard edged. Like he's not he's not John Fogarty when he's singing or anything like that, but still.
0: And he's not singing about NOM or whatnot. Yeah. So, obviously. <laughs> could you imagine? He's more of a good old boy than that. Could you imagine CCR
1: songs about, like, Frankenstein and stuff? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyways, but I'm then, sure there's a different universe where that's happening. Could be. But, yeah, how about that Eddie Noek song? I'd just like to bring that up one more time. You don't need to... Yeah. If you want to know what they were, go to our website, thearcadeshow.com, dot com. just to figure out all the songs that we're playing, in case we're going a little fast. But, holy crap, that Psycho song.
0: Yeah. How many people does he talk about killing in that song? Seven, eight? Seven, eight. And one of them was a child? Who just happened to be in a park on uh, a swing, just enjoying her day, and there goes her day, <laughs> and strangles a dog, and he's, you know, I really enjoy the twist at the end. It's a, it's a very almost M. Night Shyamalan-like twist at the end where he's, uh, you find out he's just, you know, recalling all these events to his mother, whose body is on the floor. Yes. It's one of the most unsettling country, quote unquote, songs I've ever come across. And there are a lot of murder country, like murder ballads in country music. I mean, like a lot of Hank Williams is like that, right? Oh, yeah. And like old Johnny Cash and everything.
1: Like these guys all talk about like, you know,
0: I mean. An eye for an eye, getting vengeance uh, and, you know, this, that and the other thing. But this is literally about a serial killer. Yeah. I mean. Recalling his crimes. Yeah. It's brutal. It is brutal. It's perfect for Halloween. Yeah. Especially in the uh, Halloween in the Old West group, but we preceded that Psycho song with Christopher Lee doing his take on Ghost Riders in the Sky. You know, when a song like Ghost Riders in the Sky has been around for as long as, as it has and covered by as many people as it has, you find these oddities in there, in the total listing of who has done the song. And Christopher Lee is certainly one that stands out. Yeah, I mean, like, the Highwaymen... Makes more sense.
1: No, there's others that where it makes more sense. Where you're like, yeah, okay, like I could see Willie Nelson singing this, fine, but like Christopher Lee, like Sir Christopher
0: Lee, (laughs) did not see that coming. (laughs) Yeah, and we kick that grouping off with the the Creeps and their song "Bad Voodoo" from the soundtrack to Red Dead Redemption: Undead Nightmare, the zombie expansion to the first Red Dead Redemption game, circa October 2010, going back 10 years, but. Uh, the tail end of that group there, as I said, was Buck Owens doing his song, It's a Monster's Holiday, and that might, okay, might be a toe-tapping, kind of very poppy number, but it's also a very novelty song. Yeah. And novelty songs, they're not just prevalent in music, uh, the music industry these days, but they were a very prevalent part of the music industry many decades ago. Yeah, back when the music industry
1: was still a much younger industry, and very much an industry where people we're making a lot of money in the industry in the very early days, back in the 1950s and 60s, when
0: empires were started. Basically, um, in every facet of the industry, too—songwriters, uh, musicians, performers, uh, recording technicians, hell, foley artists. Yeah, but back in those days, it was totally not uncommon
1: every single holiday season for a bunch of the, you know, um, in-house record company owned or record company created acts like, you know, like some of like the, the singing groups and stuff of the day, I guess you could call it maybe the malt shop groups or whatever else Mm -hmm. where would be, um, they basically crank out a whole bunch of, you know, um, holidays related
0: songs for that season. Certainly they do it for Christmas and Halloween as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, name the record label. They had their in-house groups and they would just, have their staff of songwriters because they had songwriters on staff and in office. This is where like the wrecking crew and stuff came from because they were like the
1: in-house musicians who would just be given all the music sheets and everything to basically work off of. And then you would get in, you know, some pop person of the day. Like you'd get like, you know, like a, like a a singing group, like the Supremes or whoever else would come in and Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, sing their, their blinds over top of it while the band is playing and stuff, but they would churn these things out. These recording sessions would, you know, they would do a week worth of recording sessions and, you know, put out 40 albums worth of this garbage, basically that most of it was just totally disposable junk. Yeah. Where but
0: all sub three, uh, basically all sub three minute songs, Uh, two, three minute songs or release them as singles on, uh, you know, the short, like what, eight inch or vinyl? The the, 45s. 45s, yeah. yeah, Vinyl pressings. And there'd, you know, be one or two songs to it or just do compilations of them too. Yeah. Because that'd be another way for the record labels to capitalize on all these groups they have on hand. Exactly. But yeah. um, There was a lot to pick from in the 50s and 60s back then. Absolutely. And as such, you know, there's
1: definitely these days stuff that you haven't heard from that group. And not all of it's good, but it's always going to be a little bit entertaining because while while I do say, like, I I mentioned garbage, but it was still garbage by 1960 standards. So it was going to be really polished and really well put together, even if it's like stupid, not, you know, something that's going to have lasting appeal. Like, not everything is the Monster Mash. Like, the Monster Mash is just the Monster Mash because... Well, it, you know, luckily
0: became the monster match essentially, but mm-hmm. it's so, it's one of the rare ones from those novelty days that stands out and has stood the test of time for uh, whatever reason. Enough people around the world and societally have collectively decided this is one of the you know great pinnacle tentpole songs of Halloween. Yeah, for whatever reason, it could have been any of these other songs. We're actually going to play because we have now a grouping that uh, we're going to call Malt Shop Scary. Uh, going back to the 50s and 60s, novelty heyday of the music industry to pull from uh, just a handful of songs. There are so many. You can easily fall down a, a rabbit hole on YouTube just looking up these sorts of songs. We'll link to a whole lot of them on our website, thearcadeshow.com, and you can look through the uh, suggested related videos on the sidebar, as I'm sure you have done many times Uh on the YouTube falling down that rabbit hole. But there's a lot to, lo- there's just a lot to pick through. Absolutely. And Tons. we're going to get through some of them. Uh, and they're, they're all f- fairly similar in that the first couple of them here in this grouping, they all seem to have the same intro sounds of <laughs> generic spooky type sound effects, shrieks and horrified screams and go from there for the first five seconds. And then the song kicks in. Yeah, I might be giving too much away before we play things, but it's the truth. That's kind of was one of the formulas of the music industry back then for these novelty songs. Yeah,
1: pretty much. So, yeah, I guess we'll, we might as well just kick this off. How about I just tell you what the first song is, we'll play them all, then we'll come back and let you know what the rest are. That's a good plan. So then, you know, you'll, you'll hear them all, and then you might think, was this all the same group? And then you might be right, but we'll tell you, Who these specific groups were. So the first one we'll just say the first thing you're going to hear is called the Creature from Outer Space, back from 1957. It's the oldest of the bunch, as far as we can tell, by a group called the Jayhawks. But the rest are a little bit a little bit newer, but not by much. And then yeah, you'll just just have a listen, and um, we'll be back. (laughs)
4: Ha 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 pom pom
5: I remember it was one dark and dreary night The sky was dark and not a trace of light That shortcut through the graveyard didn't feel too good But nothing was going to happen, at least I didn't think it could Then I heard a noise that sounded like great big feet Then I thought about the monster that craved on human meat. Was it the creature from the Black Lagoon? No the creature
6: called Frankenstein No, no, no it a creature
5: no. called Wolfman No, creature Well, must have been that thing I froze Dead in my tracks Paralyzed and I couldn't even look back I heard a moan and a deathly groan. I was scared stiff and all along. I strained my eyes into empty space. But then all of a sudden we were face to
7: face. Uh uh, wrong record. Let me out of here.
5: Was
6: it the creature from the black Lagoon? Was it the creature called Frankenstein? Was it the creature called Wolfman? Well, there must have been that pain
5: he peeped at me But before he could hit the ground I was in my house On the other side of town Now I'm in my easy chair And without a doubt He can't get in And I know I'm not going out As I close my story Here's a word for the wise A shortcut through the graveyard Is a bunch of jazz I Creature from the black lagoon. Are you the creature called
6: Frankenstein?
4: Are you the
6: creature called Wolfman? Well then, you must
8: be the thing.
7: On top of a and time I pass it, it, just give me a chill. raising, not just oozing out. First, yell, and then as a shout, God, it's Every night when the moon my clouds up, uh, make like spooky, spooky, spooky. couple uh, They He puts on his sheet and he screams all night. And everybody is a, fight. He's a spook. Oh baby, he's a spook. Well, now out of the depths that darkest night. that from a fight. He calls and he scratches and he gives them names. Everybody in it is show? and it Yeah, baby, it's a Go, baby, go, go
9: Here comes the hearse. you in a and sling it down about six feet. All goes well for about a week, and then the casket begins to leave. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms put <laughs> peanut on your snout. <laughs> Little green bugs of Eyes of bread, go through your liver and out your head. Your eyes sinking, your teeth fall out. The icy tickle on your spine makes you wanna scream and shout. Your stomach turns a moldy green, and ooze comes out like a whipping cream. And me without a spoon. Here
4: comes the hurst.
9: If you skimp and slave, a fortune to save, you lose it all when you go to the grave. For life were a thing that money could buy, the rich would live and the poor would die. Here comes the...
0: <laughs> Heavy use of similar sound effects <laughs> through all of those songs. As is to be expected. doesn't matter what the record label is. I'm sure they all kind of pulled from similar sound effects libraries back in the day. But closing out that group right there was Terry Teen with the song Curse of the Hearst. the Perhaps the most distinct sounding one of the five that we played in that group. Also Uh, the newest of the bunch. Yeah, a single from 1966. (laughs) A whippersnapper.
1: Yeah, just a young whippersnapper of a single there. Only, what, 54 years old? A paltry 54
0: years old. (laughs) Why, it's still, you know... A decent amount of time away from retirement. It's still not. It's still eleven years away from retirement. That song is. Good God! But as you listen to it, you, as I said before, we kicked off that group. You probably heard similar intro sound effects to each, almost each of those songs. Yeah. certainly the first, first four.
1: And let's just let, let's be real. When they were going to the well, when they were writing these songs, they didn't have the most original of ideas. Nope. I mean. So the creature from outer space, perhaps the most interesting thematically of the bunch, because it stands out from the rest. Mm-hmm. But then, <clears throat> after that, as we said, the next one in the group was uh, by the Caravans, another just generic '60s group you probably never heard of. Exactly. Um, but the song is called "The Spook." Okay. Okay. After that was a soul soul singer named James Duhan, not James Duhan, not Scotty, not Scotty from Star Trek. I had to look this up just to make sure. No, nope, it's not. It's some soul singer. A soul singer from the fifties and sixties. Yep. Name's James Duhan. But unlike the spook, this one is called graveyard creep. Okay. Okay. And then after that, you know, move forward a couple of years, another group you've never heard of, which I've also never heard of called the new trends, new and you, um, with their song spooksville. So are you, are you getting a theme here? The spook, graveyard creep, spooksville. All kind of the same kind of well that they're drawing from. Like, ooh, creepy things, ooh, mummies and vampires and mummies. Things and going things. bump in the things night. Things going bump in the night, yeah. And then, of course, as you said, Terry Teen, Curse of the Hearse. A hearse. Ooh, another another scary thing here.
0: A, a creepy, unsettling <laughs> image, yeah. So, <laughs> the 1950s and 60s, uh they may have been going for an element of, like, spooky and scary, but it all, with the the ability of hindsight and many decades between now and then they're not scary. No. I mean, this is also, I think
1: what made the Adams family so good was because Charles Adams realized this stuff wasn't scary. It's silly. Let's just make a silly show about it. And then, you know, of course the monsters as well, same kind of idea, <laughs> but yeah, that that's what makes those shows kind of funny instead of scary, even
0: though they're supposed to have quote unquote scary elements to them. They're just, it, it's silly. Absolutely. Because, uh, given the time and given the way culture was and whatnot, there really wasn't a big horror genre. There wasn't a big field or perhaps even appetite for horror related items. No, I mean, like you had like
1: your classic horror movies, like from the Lon Chaney era and like, you know, Frankenstein and whatever else from Boris Karloff,
0: Bela Lugosi.
1: Yeah, that type of thing. But like, that was about it. Like they didn't really have horror TV shows or like, it didn't really extend beyond like B movies that you might see like as a you know, in a double feature, you know, or a creature feature kind at the of thing. Drive like at the, in. Yeah, at the drive-in, that type of thing. Like it, it wasn't mainstream, mainstream. Like there was no movies winning awards. Like you, like these days, like you know, you see someone like Guillermo del Toro, you know, winning awards with you know, monster movie like The Shape of Water or whatever. Like or even Pan's Labyrinth. Or even Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, like these kind of monster slash scary tense movies. That would have never been a thing back then. Like back then it was just, yeah, silly, whatever. Just, <laughs> just throw some mummies and vampires at it and you're fine. It's just like, what does that
0: mean? Like, okay, fine. Spooksville. Yeah, I mean, well, hell, even Abbott and Costello, the classic comedy team had a number of quote unquote horror spooky movies where they encounter a mummy, a yeah, werewolf, a uh, bunch of ghosts. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, hell, that basically, uh, set the stage and premise for Scooby Doo in the sixties. Yep. And Scooby-Doo is not scary. No, Scooby-Doo is not scary at all. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, very lighthearted, very approachable to basically all audiences, and so is the music of the day, too, the novelty music, because the the music industry wanted it to be accessible by everyone. Yeah. It wasn't going to narrow cast to a specific niche audience or whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Unlike our next group of songs. <laughs> yes, very much
1: unlike our next group of songs. a um. A genre that does, in fact, narrow cast to people quite frequently is the, you know, the umbrella of metal in general.
0: It does. It's got its select audience, the people who find it appealing, who enjoy the the sound and harsh vibration of it to their eardrums, and they accept it. And the music industry accepts them, and the metal people involved accept everyone else. It's all just one big happy community of metal fans.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's... uh. The thing about metal, though, is like when you say you like metal, you usually have to get more specific than that because it's a big tent. It's a big, big tent, you know, where there is a lot of crossover between the things that people like under that tent. But it's very likely that someone under, you know, way over there on that side of the tent might not even remotely enjoy the stuff that's over on this other side of the tent. Even within this group, you know, we're representing a few sides of the tent, even though we're only showing We're giving you three songs this time around for, you know, what we you always call every year the obligatory metal group, but this year's theme with the metal group is cannibalism. (laughs) Because, you know, Halloween, maybe,
0: should actually be scary sometimes. Absolutely. It's one thing for zombies to be gnawing on your flesh, but what if another human was still gnawing on your flesh? Yeah. Isn't that a lot scarier? I think it is. And um, there's something cartoonish about a zombie. There's nothing cartoonish about another person just wanting to pick your bones.
1: Yeah, so
0: even yeah, within this group there's three different um
1: regions of metal regions of metal I would say being represented. The first one is perhaps the most obvious one. You know, obviously it's not for everybody, but it of the more on the more extreme side of the tent there is, you know, one of the classic ten-pole bands of old school death metal, Cannibal Corpse. Absolutely. They have a ton of songs about cannibalism, so they're an obvious choice, and while a lot of their songs might not have greatest of uh, lyrics for us to maybe call from, we, we kind of maybe picked a little bit less of a super offensive one. Yeah, when with the, some of the less intense
0: offerings. Yeah. Which are hard to find.
1: Yes, which, you know, Having said that, still pretty intense. So we're gonna open up this group with a song called "Edible Autopsy." But For- then, yeah, back from their, I think it's their debut album, um, called "Eaten Back to Life." It might be their second album. I don't remember. Very exactly. early album. Very early album, "Eaten Back to Life," back from 1990. Um, but then yeah, we 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 move around the tent quite a bit, um. We'll just say Dio's in there, and then also the late great Peter Steele. Uh, I think, actually, yeah. Of all these groups, two of the frontmen are no longer with us, unfortunately, which is a thing. So, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll check back in and see how you're doing on the other side of the rest of these uh, these various metal offerings regarding cannibalism.
0: Yes, if we haven't uh, uh, scared you away, we, we certainly uh, will welcome you back on the other side of these.
1: A metal. You failed to disappoint in the terms of, uh, well, cannibalism. <laughs> Anyways, uh, believe it or not, there's many more choices we could have gone
0: with, but, uh. A bounty. Yes, yeah, so a bounty. There's a bounty of cannibal-based metal songs out there, but, uh, we, uh, instead of doing an entire program dedicated <laughs> to cannibal metal music, we just had to pare it down and, uh, uh, had to narrow it down. I mean, Cannibal Corpse is, is an obvious choice. The, the name literally says it all.
1: Yeah. But uh, as we said, we would tell you what the rest of it was. And if the second voice sounded a bit familiar to you, I hope it was a bit familiar to you because he was a little bit more popular in the 80s with this group who called themselves something different. But in the 2000s, early 2000s, when they kind of got back together, they called themselves Heaven and Hell. And that song you heard was called Eating the Cannibals off of their only, well, technically only album under that name called The Devil You Know. I say technically because what they were was they were Black Sabbath after Ozzy Osbourne left. They brought in Ronnie James Dio to be singer, and that's what this band was. So technically they had four albums as a band
0: of they, that lineup. They did, but they, of course, could not use the Black Sabbath name No, under threat of litigation from uh, uh, Sharon Osbourne or other people Yeah, Sharon Osbourne to- and other management and lawyers and whatnot involved with the Black Sabbath enterprise. Yeah, because they were also kind of
1: in the process of being still back together in the original form and all that other yada yada. But anyways Yeah, the the Dio incarnation of Black Sabbath when they came back, before Dio's Untimely Passing, unfortunately, they called themselves Heaven and Hell in relation or in reference to their first album that they recorded together, which was called Heaven and Hell. And yeah, really good albums if you are into I maybe mean, the Maybe if you don't, you know, like to peruse the cannibal corpse side of the... If that's a bit too intense. Yeah, if, if that part of the metal tent is not where you like to kind of hang out, you know, if you want to walk more towards like the, you know, more classic side of things, you know, where the Iron Maidens and the Judas Priests and stuff live, heaven and hell is right up your alley. And then somewhere in the middle um, was another man who he said was, you know, also a late singer. Uh The singer of this band is a man, well, the band was called Carnivore, and they were a uh, kind of short-lived New York-based thrash metal project from the early 80s. They had a couple of albums. They had, their first album was called Predator, and then their second album was called uh, Retaliation. And they had a brief comeback in the early 2000s as well. But their singer was the late Peter Steele, who we've talked about before, we've featured on Halloween shows before with his far more popular band, Typo Negative. Indeed.
0: We've kind of exhausted the Typo Negative catalog for the Halloween program. Yes. So we kind of had to dig into his earlier works. Yes. Peter Steele's voice, just always so perfect for the Halloween season, given the the gloom and darkness that is commonly associated with October 31st. Absolutely. So, yeah, he, he was more than
1: just a gothy voice. He also played some really kicking thrash metal back in the day. Sure did. Which surprises a lot of people because they're like, oh, the guy who did that, like, My Girlfriend's Girlfriend song? Like, yeah, he was in a crazy thrash band called Carnivore. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, check out their second album in particular. This was off their first album when they were still a little bit more raw, but their second album, Retaliation, everything was polished. They sounded like a more aggressive Slayer, if that's possible.
0: Nice. Nice. Uh, this song off the first album that we played called Predator, uh, if you're wondering where the cannibalism comes in, uh, it's Peter Steele writing the lyrics and writing about a post-nuclear holocaust in Wasteland Future where the, uh, humans who survived, or some of the humans who survived, are forced to the underworld, and, or sewer system, I should say, not underworld, not, they're not riding the river sticks. No. Uh, but forced to underground and then have to come up and eat the humans living at, up top every so often for nourishment. Yeah. And then before that, uh, Ronnie James Dio and Heaven and Hell were singing Eating the Cannibals. Uh, according to Dio and what his comments were on the song, basically their t- idea behind that is uh, the common working people getting their revenge on the uh, people in power, individuals in power uh, in both uh, corporations and politics, and uh, serving them up at a restaurant. And finally eating them instead of those people eating up. All the other working class for their own selfish means. Yeah, so in more deal fashion, it's more kind of heady
1: and kind of, uh, metaphorical rather than literal like Peter Steele. Or Cannibal Corpse. Yes, or Cannibal Corpse. Aggressively literal. <laughs> <laughs> they live their name. Yes.
0: <laughs> Actually, I don't know that for sure.
1: Perhaps they did. Well, I mean, I hope not, but you know, hey. Haven't all, been charged. Haven't, well, one of the, anyways, well, yeah, well, there was the one guitar player who is crazy. Crazy, was, I think, no longer a guitar player in the band anyways. I think he was a former guitar player, but anyways, um, that was a few years ago, and I think he's actually in jail for having guns and stuff in his house. Anyways. The best place for him. Yes. Anyways, uh, <laughs> But let's move off of yes. the very
0: strong, intense uh, sensation that uh, metal can bring to the Halloween season and make it a bit more approachable again, but make it fun with some uh, unique imagery. And let's use our last group of songs here to celebrate one of the great movies and one of the great characters that is one of the most uh, Halloween-appropriate entities and properties going. Let's take this time to celebrate Beetlejuice.
1: Absolutely. The the classic Beetlejuice character played by Michael Keaton. Played perfectly
0: by Michael Keaton.
1: Note perfectly. I mean, there were other incarnations of Beetlejuice. I mean, I'm sure you remember the Beetlejuice cartoon series. It was okay, but it wasn't, you know, Beetlejuice. You know, there were Beetlejuice video games. There were, there was a lot of Beetlejuice media back in the day surrounding the Beetlejuice movie. But
0: let's be real. The Beetlejuice movie is where it's at. Absolutely. Uh, it's a classic that was released back in 1988. Um, if you haven't watched it at least once this holiday, this Halloween holiday season, uh, something's gone wrong. Uh, it's one of those movies that should be played in heavy rotation on every channel at this time of year too.
1: Yeah. If you still have a TV, you know, subscription, you'll probably happen upon it. Just like I'm sure around Christmas season, you'll happen upon your other one things like Scrooge and whatever else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is definitely up there. You'll probably see this and Casper the Friendly Ghost and things like that. Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show. Yeah, absolutely. And, but this one in particular, this is like sort of a lot of people's go-to Halloween
0: movie. It's, uh, it's just some weird visuals. It's a really unique, different story, but it's approachable and it's really fun. Yeah. It's not particularly scary or spooky. It's not a, th- It's not a thriller. It's not a slasher. It's not trying to make you crap your pants out of fright. It's just a weird, unique movie done by Tim Burton, played perfectly by Michael Keaton. Wonderful music by Danny Elfman that came out in the 80s and still stands alone as this one weird, unique movie. There's never been a sequel. There may have been discussions for a sequel, but there have has not been a sequel. Let's pray to God, whichever (laughs) one you choose, there is not a sequel. Absolutely. That would certainly cheapen the franchise. Well, I think at this point, I think we can
1: safely still consider the original safe. Sure enough, I mean it's it's thirty two years old at this point. If they make another Beetlejuice now, it's disconnected. It's not even close. Like, just don't even look at it. It's probably not going to be anywhere near as good as it anyway. So, yeah, just watch the original. The original is worth it's worth it. But as you said, there's one of the interesting things about it is Danny Elfman's music. Yes. So Danny Elfman's music um has kind of, you know, been revisited a lot over the years with people who either get, you know, the rights to or just decide to revisit Beetlejuice in whatever form and this group is basically a celebration of that.
0: Yes, uh, we're going at the many faces of Beetlejuice. Uh the music uh from Danny Elfman celebrated uh but also I think as you touched on, too, the, the property of Beetlejuice in the wake of the movie's success was expanded into many different forays, some of them good, some of them lesser good. Yes. Most of them around the time of the movie, one of them much more recently, which is surprising. So we're going to kick this group off with the intro music to the Beetlejuice animated series that ran for a couple of years, starting in 1989. Uh, you and I both watched it on TV. It was it's enjoyable. Yep, I, I mean, liked it. As far as uh, uh, cartoon adaptations of popular movies go, this is actually one of the better ones from that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I put this in kind of the real Ghostbusters up together side by side, and well, I guess the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. It's being sort of like the three that I really remember
0: as being okay, certainly, and also too around that time of the cartoon and in the wake of the movie was an adaptation of uh, the Beatles movie for the NES because everything got a uh, game adaptation for the NES to varying degrees of quality, and the Beetlejuice game, one of the absolute hot pieces of garbage. Yep, not a good game. Nope. If you've if you haven't watched it yet, do check out the Angry Video Game Nerd's review of Beetlejuice for the NES. It's about five, six years old. It's something he did as part of his Halloween celebration from that year he released it. It's a really good review and you'll never have to play the game after watching it, because it's just a terrible, terrible game. Yeah, it's a hot mess. And not only is the gameplay a hot mess, the music makes no goddamn sense for it. <laughs> but, and for that reason, we pulled the intro theme from it as well. Yeah, because it's still not a bad song. I mean, it's catchy, makes no sense, but we also visit, uh, from a couple of years ago, the Beetlejuice music from the add-on DLC level of Beetlejuice in the LEGO Dimensions game. If you remember that, when... Toys to Life it was a very popular game genre uh, between Disney Infinity, uh, the Skylander stuff, Lego Dimensions. Lego had a whole bunch of sets where you can build characters and add on different uh, areas to your game. Beetlejuice was one of those because they had a partnership deal with Warner Brothers and Beetlejuice is a Warner Brothers character. So they had a Beetlejuice level. Yeah. So we pulled some music from that as well before getting into the actual... Uh, Danny Elfman classic soundtrack from the original 1988 movie uh, for a little bit. And then we round off this group with, as I said, uh, the most recent one of them. It's a song pulled from the Beetlejuice Broadway musical. Because that's a thing that exists or existed in the world. I <laughs> I say existed because it started its run last year. But of course, the COVIDs came and... There's no Broadway anymore. No. Um
1: and unfortunately, unlike Hamilton, I don't think this will have the lasting power. It's, it doesn't seem like uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll see, come back. I mean Beetlejuice is still beloved enough and people have nostalgic attachment to it. But yeah, um Yeah, we'll round out the group with that. But uh yeah, we'll be back after some Beetlejuice, goodness. Yeah, enjoy your Beetlejuice
0: here on the Arcade's Halloween music special.
6: is swinging and if i hear your cell phone ringing i'll kill you myself the whole being dead thing death can get a person stressed we should have car way more deals now we're never gonna see them. i can show you what comes next so don't be freaked stay in your seats i do this bullshit like eight times a week so just relax you'll be fine Drink your 50 wine and take a breath Ooh. welcome to a show about you're, you're gonna be fine On the other side Die, you're all gonna die, you're all gonna die I'll, I'll be your guide To the other side Go in full disclosure, it's a show about death The whole being dead thing You're just gonna love the folks here Yeah, I know you're woke But you can take a joke here And every show I do like a ton of coke here The whole oh, The whole being dead thing Nobody is pulling through I work out I eat clean Jesus, pass the trail. Just statistics, so take a little break here. Kind of like a wake here. The scenery is fake here, but there's a giant sink here. <laughs> Welcome to a show about stick. Yo, you're
4: gonna
6: be fine. This is a show about death. death it's taboo, but it's hard. It's something new. It's something medical professionals can do. So maybe just believe. Be, be, be. If you die while listening to this album, it's still gonna keep playing. There's no destiny or fate? It's just a terrifying place for the people that you meet. And all of a sudden, did you universe kill you? That's the thing with life. No one makes it out alive. Ain't it tragic? Blah blah Bible Jesus magic. When you're dead, who gives a shit? No Pilates, no more yoga. Namaste, you freaking posers. From the cradle to cremation.
0: I'll ah, say his name three times in the mirror until the pier. Absolutely. I, I try every Halloween. It still hasn't worked, but that just won't deter me from trying. Yeah. Biggie Smalls, however. <laughs> different story. Different story entirely. Um Yeah, so Beetlejuice, good musical legacy in addition to being a just a classic franchise. Absolutely. That last song there, the whole being dead thing taken from the Beetlejuice Broadway, mu- Broadway musical that started last year, unfortunately, had its run cut very short by the COVID the, pandemic. Yes, Mr. COVID-19 himself. Rearing his ugly head. Yes. Uh, but uh, an entertaining soundtrack, entertaining musical. uh The slight deviations in terms of uh, story and, and script and, and whatnot from the original movie, but the character of Beetlejuice is still very much the same, being this over-the-top, wacky, zany character who's got um, a, a strong spirit of mischief to them as well. Yeah. Plus, you know, you have to change things up a little bit in the musical
1: format. It just doesn't work otherwise.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I will say, the uh casting people who cast the role of Beetlejuice for that musical, uh very good job. I think the guy in it uh, does a good job trying to recreate Beetlejuice, but uh, anytime you're doing Beetlejuice, uh, you're going to kind of pale in comparison to Michael Keaton. There's yeah. just something you can't recapture about the charisma he had as that character in that movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was kind of an unstoppable force in that movie. He was, he stole every scene, but he was supposed to steal every scene because that's what Beetlejuice was supposed to be doing. It
0: yes. was,
1: it was kind of like, in a way it just popped into my head and I don't know why I never thought about this before, but the mask was almost, you know, just trying to recapture the same lightning in the bottle that Beetlejuice was. And it's not done as well.
0: No, with a much greater reliance on uh,
1: snazzy computer effects. Yeah. But Michael Keaton, back in the day, was able to do it without any sort of, like, wacky computer effects or whatever editing tricks and
0: stuff. And, yeah, he's... uh He had greater gravitas than Jim Carrey does. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim Carrey relies on his uh, wild flailing. Michael Keaton just draws you in with just his magnetic magnetic abilities as an actor. Done so well in Beetlejuice, you don't even really recognize and realize that it's Michael Keaton. Yeah.
1: You know, like, there's there's other movies where you're like, yeah, that's definitely Michael Keaton. But Beetlejuice
0: is one of those ones where you're like, oh, yeah, that was Michael Keaton, wasn't it? Sure was. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Tim Burton. Music by Danny Elfman. Just still... Perfectly this one weird movie from 1988 that is so perfect for the Halloween season and uh, uh spawned a, a real interesting, real diverse musical legacy that's spanned animated series, video games to differing degrees of appropriateness, certainly the NES game, hot garbage. <laughs> hot garbage. Even the music makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, it's fun and catchy, but doesn't capture what beetlejuice is at all nope and we pulled uh, that was the intro music from the beetlejuice nes game that happy
1: little hoppy number sounds like it could have been you know for the fluffy elves or something like something where you're riding a cloud yeah like a little pink rabbit run running around doing something no like that doesn't conjure images of beetlejuice at all sure. is this nonsense it
0: sure doesn't uh the at least the lego dimensions uh version and DLC with uh, Beetlejuice got it more thematically appropriate. I mean, that music was pulled from the overworld of the Beetlejuice area. Worked out, it was uh, a bit more, uh, a bit better in that regard. The intro theme from the Beetlejuice animated series that we started this group off with, kind of really capturing the main title theme from the Beetlejuice movie, but just done with a bit more snaz and panache for kids on Saturday mornings. But, uh, and of course we had two selections in there from the actual Beetlejuice soundtrack as well. All instrumental, of course, because that's how Danny Elfman rolled when he was writing the score. Yep. And, uh, we, we hope you enjoyed it, enjoyed it and hope you enjoyed, uh, everything we played on this year's Halloween music special. As, uh, we aim to bring you just a little small degree of normalcy in this unnormal and abnormal year. Uh Even un- even abnormal come the Halloween time.
1: Yes, you know, the abnormalist time of the year when you see little, you know, kids and whatnot running around dressed up like other things, like little monsters and whatever else running around. We might not see that this year, which is sad, but, you know, in the interest of keeping people safe, I encourage people to do whatever they're comfortable
0: with. And just uh, eat their chocolate themselves. Yeah. Yep, that's more candy for you to enjoy. Instead of giving it away for free, eat the chocolate yourself.
1: Yes. And then, you know, go into a mild diabetic coma for a couple of days. And then just, you know... It's called sleeping it off.
0: Yeah, sleep it off for a couple of days and then you'll be fine. Exactly. Your system will reboot and uh, everything's normal again. <laughs> yes. That's that's how the body works. Yes. As long as you have a functioning liver, you'll be fine. Precisely. It's, it's gotten us this far. <laughs> Yes, And we're sure it's gotten you this far as well, far enough to listen and enjoy this year's annual Halloween music special. And we thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, celebrate and enjoy your Halloween, however works for you in this abnormal year. Uh, watch more scary movies, watch more whatevers, you know, what works for you, do more of that thing, still decorate your house, decorate your yard, whatever yeah I know
1: like figure out you know a safe way if you're gonna do trick or treating try to do it safely if you're gonna hand out candy, try to do it safely. I know one of my sisters is gonna be just kind of putting together prepackaged you know treat bags and just kind of doling them out five at a time or so like in a just outside of her house, and then you know when it when groups of kids come and grab them, she'll just kind of replenish the group just replenish the whatever receptacle that she's going to have them on. I might do a similar thing. Mm -hmm. I think my parents are going to try to set up some sort of like distanced way of like shooting things through like an old downspout or something. So that might be kind of interesting. I've seen people work out things with PVC pipes through their doors and stuff as ideas on YouTube and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you're doing, try to do it safely. Try to,
0: you know, yeah, just, just be safe about everything. The one idea I had for this uh, this year's Halloween as a uh, candy dispensing device that I haven't really seen anywhere else, but unfortunately don't have the time to get around to designing and constructing, catapult. <laughs> yes. A candy catapult. Or a trebuchet. For extra candy gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's, that's when you mean it. Yeah,
1: when you absolutely must launch as much candy into the mouths as kids as
0: possible. Use your backyard trebuchet full of whatever <laughs> <laughs> candy, hopefully. Yes. The the best way to keep kids at a distance, they're at the end of the street. I'm at the other end of the street with my trebuchet. <laughs> yes. There you go. It's raining candy. <laughs> And possibly breaking car windows. And possibly Hellfire? Whoop. Hopefully hopefully, mostly candy. We're, well, you never know. Depends
1: on if the Pop Rocks hit the soda, I suppose. Oh, not for lack of effort.
0: <laughs> but let us know your thoughts on this year's Halloween Music Special and how you are going about celebrating the Halloween season. What are you doing to try and make it a bit normal this year? You can always email us, info at thearcadeshow.com D- 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 or hit us up through social media. We are on Twitter, at The Arcade Show, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Arcade Show and uh, we uh, plan on getting back to business as usual on the uh, next edition of the program. So until then, good night and happy Halloween. Good night, everybody.